Welcome to Almost Here, Round the Corner of Future Technology podcasts with Richard Jacobs. Future Technologies, poised to transform our lives for better or worse, are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used, or just around the corner, from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. This is Richard Jacobs with Future Tech Podcast. Almost here, round the corner technology. Uh, today I'm speaking with Mike Armbrister, uh, CEO, founder, head of Incept3D.com. Uh, they do 3D printing using a variety of materials. Uh, how you doing, Mike? Doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate you coming. So um, I just gave a you know two second uh, idea of Incept. I'm sure there's a lot more to it than that. You know, let people know what what it is that Incept does and. Uh, what you guys do in the 3D printing industry? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so basically, Incept3D offers high-end additive manufacturing or 3D printing services um, to people who maybe can't afford them, or maybe it's just not the best part of their business plan to have, you know, a $200,000 machine that they only use once or twice a month. Um, mm. But in a nutshell. Uh, customers will design something, whether they're mechanical engineers or industrial designers, et cetera, and they will email us those designs and we'll then produce them and mail them to the customers. Oh, wow. What if a customer is not very sophisticated? Can you have staff that um, can advise on the mechanical properties of things created or, you know, other properties of it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we can talk uh, extensively about all the different machines, the technologies, the materials, and so forth that we offer. Um, in general, we're not a 3D design shop, uh, so generally you need to be far enough along to have the design ready to go, and then we help choose the right technology for that. Do you interface with um, 3D design shops? So if a customer is not far enough along that you can uh, refer them somewhere so they can you can work with that company to get them through? Yeah, absolutely. So if you just have an idea, and that's all it is is an idea, a napkin sketch, et cetera, um, but no uh, experience with 3D design and so forth, um, then we can put you in touch with a handful of freelance designers that, uh, that we work with or just those typical websites like Upwork.com and places like that uh, you can find just tons of freelance 3D designers out there to to get you far enough along to then send the file our way. Okay, gotcha. And what what's common for you to produce? What industries? What kind of uh, pieces do you make? Yeah, it's fascinating because um, a 3D printer can make any shape, regardless of complexity. It uh, it just doesn't matter what that shape is. So for that reason, um, that's one of the most difficult questions to answer because it's really anyone. Anyone who is designing anything from any industry, whether it's medical device companies, there's a whole lot of those here in San Diego where we're, where we're located, um, mm -hmm. or aerospace companies, uh, consumer products. Uh, you know, we're not far from Hollywood, so we're constantly making props and things for movie sets. Um, you know, I'll have a crazy sword printing side by side with a, a coffee maker, you know. Um, so it can be huh. really just anyone who needs anything, and uh, and that's the industry we serve. 
how did you get into doing this? What, what's your background? You know, quick sketch before this, and uh, what what created the idea to do this? Yeah, absolutely. So the 3D printing industry is actually much, much, much older than anyone realizes. And um, uh, it was about 10 years ago, uh, I had I graduated from college, and I just got a finance job, which I thought would be my future. Um, but that's when that recession hit, and uh, basically our entire office was shut down. So I was just floating around Orange County trying to find a job when um, I was just answering phones, basically, for a company, and they had a 3D printer in the back. And so that then became my future, and I helped spearhead their 3D printing division, and then uh, ultimately moved on to start in Step 3D. Okay, excellent. So nowadays, you said you find yourself working for all kinds of um, different uses. Any any uses that you want to get into that you're not into yet, or um, of the things you do, which are the most exciting and interesting to you and why? Yeah, um, one thing that gets just a lot of coverage uh, in the 3D printing industry, is, and rightfully so, is, is prosthetics. Um, mm. And and I've actually got my own little inventions and so forth in that regard with regard to uh, wrist attachments. But um, that's certainly one of the most promising areas. Um, basically, when it comes to 3D printing, you, you generally want to have something that's unique uh, because 3D printers aren't good at making hundreds of thousands of the same thing over and over and over. It's just It just doesn't work like that. So anything that's very unique where you only need one or five or ten, you know, any kind of one-of-a-kind type application, that's where these machines shine because you send the design and a few hours later, there it is. So obviously in the world of prosthetics or, or many different medical applications, but particularly in prosthetics, Every customer is different, um, and so 3D printing is really helping to streamline and 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 make these things that used to be incredibly expensive much more cost effective. Did did you create your own version of the 3D printing machines, or are you using um, other people's technology? Other people's, right? So um, the primary machines that we have here are Stratasys machines. Uh, Stratasys goes all the way back to the 1980s. They were actually the ones who invented fused deposition modeling, um, which decades later, when some patents expired, that's what made way for MakerBot and some of the more hobbyist machines behind that. Um, but these are basically oh. the very high-end versions of those. And um, I've never, I've never invented a 3D printing technology or, or, or anything in that regard. But I'm just very, very familiar with these high-end machines. Right. Do you have scanners where you can take an existing object, scan it, and then modify it or reprint it? I have sources for that. Um, what we find is the overwhelming majority of things that we're making are original. Um, mm. If they already exist, then usually there's a cheaper way to make it, like a mold has been made or you can buy it somewhere. Um, is usually the case. So most of our customers are coming to us with a brand new idea that just doesn't exist. Uh, mm. And so that's our primary business. Um, okay. but, uh, but, but in that regard, though, um, there are very good resources that I can point people toward for scanning. Yeah, at the end, yeah. Um, 
since a lot of the stuff people come to you with is new, do you often run into copyright issues? I mean, do you understand? Are there any are there any legal implications of the things that you can't print or won't print for people because of uh, legal issues? Uh, certainly. Um, this was a really big deal a couple years ago, um, really just about a year to a year and a half ago, when a company uh, named Defense Distributed started um, designing 3D printable guns, uh, which absolutely mm. work. Um, but it is illegal for me to manufacture and sell firearms. Uh, I'm not particularly knowledgeable of the gun industry, so I was getting all of these uh, files, and they were names like, you know, AR, lower receiver, and, and things like that. Oh. I was looking at them, and I'm like, well, that, that certainly looks and sounds like uh, weapon-related. And, um, and, yeah, I had to stop myself a few times from basically selling people weapons. Um, so that's something wow. you have to look out for, certainly. Um, otherwise, uh, I mean, um, it, it's uh, it, it's it, it is something you have to be concerned with um, printing things that that already exist or that or that people have the rights to. That said, it doesn't come up often simply because it's usually cheaper for someone to buy the real thing than it is for them to design it and have me make a 3D printed version of it. So mm. most of the stuff I get is, is indeed original work. Okay. Um, besides, you know, weapons, which it makes sense why, um, anything else that, um, any other hit lists of things that you can't print that you know that are obviously copyrighted? Or you're just not tending to get any of those things. Yeah, not, nothing comes to mind uh, just because of just because of the cost, uh, you know, involved. Um, these machines are really high end, very expensive machines. We're charging a pretty substantial hourly rate to use them, so it, mm. it just doesn't really make sense generally um, to to send something to me and have it have me print it for you versus just going to the store and buying it. Um, so right. yeah, I haven't yeah I haven't really run into that too much. Okay. And what materials can you print in? Yeah. Um, so thermal plastics are are one of the most common. Um, this is a technology uh, known as FDM, which is usually what people think about when they think about 3D printing, except that they're usually thinking of a much more rudimentary machine than the ones that we have. Um, so thermoplastics like ABS which is very common. That's, you know, what Legos are made of and just tons of common everyday items are made out of ABS plastic. The keyboard for your uh, computer is likely ABS plastic, things like that. Um, polycarbonate, uh, a blend of polycarbonate and ABS, nylon. Um, and then up at kind of the high end, there's these, these very high-end aerospace-grade resins uh, that are then extruded. And uh, one of those is called Ultem, U-L-T-E-M. And it's this flame retardant material where basically you could hold a lighter to it and nothing is really going to happen for quite some time. And so a lot of aerospace companies are using that thermoplastic in place of metal, for example, because it's much, much lighter, okay. yet it uh, still has all of those certifications that it would need. Um, so that's on the thermoplastic side. And then... Some of our other machines are, are resin-based technologies that use UV-cured resins for this 
gorgeous, gorgeous, gorgeous resolution. But it's always a trade-off with these with these resin-based machines. Basically, the results will look and feel like plastic, or they'll look and feel like rubber. Um, but they're just not going to hold up as well as a thermoplastic material would. Uh, and then at the absolute highest end, there are our DMLS direct metal laser centering machines, and those okay. actually use powder, metallic powder, like stainless steel and things like that. And um, it's basically, uh, the way I try to describe it is an extremely, extremely high-end welder. Uh, a laser, ultra-fine laser, just hits this vat of powder and literally centers the metal into place, and then it'll swipe across, add another layer of powder on top, and it'll just grow the parts. And um, again, aerospace applications, uh, Formula One cars, usually really high-end stuff that we're we're printing on those machines. Okay. Um, any other typical projects you get in? You mentioned prosthetics, movie props. Um, anything else? Do you ever deal uh, create parts for cars? Um, any other uh, parts that are used in, in machinery? Yeah, just um because of the because of the ability for these machines to make such a wide range of things, which again is essentially any shape, uh it's always hard to to really pinpoint a specific industry. Um it really just depends on the day of the week or the time of the day really, um as these jobs come through, who they might be coming through from and and what they might be for. I mean, I've seen I've seen everything. <laughs> Okay. And have you uh have you been on a growth curve? I mean, are you seeing the industry picking up or how is it working? Yeah, absolutely. Um so I mean, our our company is only 4 or 5 years old now. It started with me and my garage uh with two leased machines and now we're at, you know, 13 machines. And and again, many of these are you know six figure plus machines. So so yeah, uh, we've bootstrapped our way up, um, no debt. So certainly we've been growing. Um, but uh, I don't know if that's the industry or if that's you know the fact that I was a veteran when I started, and so I kind of knew you know uh, what I was doing. Um, the industry is changing in that. There's this boom of technologies at the hobbyist level. These are things like uh, a MakerBot or, or so forth, machines that you can buy for three, four, five thousand dollars. They can do kind of small hobbyist type stuff, and um, and that can get the job done sometimes for a lot of people. So that sort of industry, at least from my end, is, is gone because those people are taking care of themselves now. Um, but at the same time, that's opening up more doors because all of these companies that, you know, frankly should have been using 3D printing back in the 90s or 2000s, it's been around that long, are just now learning about it because their mechanical engineers, you know, are coming in to work with their MakerBots. Um, and so this huge need that was always there uh, is finally coming to fruition and that these people are realizing we shouldn't be sending stuff to China and waiting two weeks for a prototype. We should just 
send it to a 3D printing company and have it the next day. We can cut our product development down from three months to one month, things like that. So as more and more people become educated, the demand is just getting bigger and bigger and bigger in spite of the fact that the amount of 3D printers at that hobbyist level are exploding. Well, I'm sure there's a lot of things that just can't be made with a hobbyist printer. Absolutely, I mean, yeah. What's the difference in performance or ability that you see between your printers and a hobbyist one? Certainly size. I mean, our largest build platform is 16 by 14 by 16 inches, and you're not going to find that at the hobbyist level. Um, there are a lot of things uh, when it comes to a Stratasys FDM machine that are patented that still don't exist at the hobbyist level. So in our machines, the entire chamber is an oven, which is very important for keeping the temperature exactly where it needs to be throughout the entire build. And um, that's they have the patent on that. So a MakerBot or a lot of these other machines just take place uh, at room temperature. So they have to use inferior materials like PLA and so forth to prevent warping and, and other issues. Um, so yeah, there's, oh, okay. there's certainly yeah, a totally different um, type of quality that comes from one machine versus another, but that's also entirely dependent on what you're making. You know, if you're making a mount for your GoPro camera, you don't need my machine. And anyone right. with a MakerBot will tell you, oh yeah, you know, uh, these printers are getting so cheap, you know, this used to be a $200,000 machine and now I've got one in my garage and look what I'm doing with it. And that's awesome. And I love that. And I fully support that. But the other side of the argument is there's a heck of a lot of stuff that those machines can't do. And, and then that's, you know, that's the mold that we, that we sit in, that we fill. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you don't fit in any mold. You make your own molds, but yeah. Cool. <laughs> right. And he, yeah, so that's surprising. I guess that would be a big um, misconception is that the hobbyist printers can print whatever you need. Any other, um, you know, because now you're an insider in the industry, any other urban myths or misconceptions you see people have about the industry, you know, uh, its capabilities now, where it's going in the future, that kind of thing? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, there's a laundry list, but um, basically during the boom, which was, when I say boom, I mean boom of interest, uh, which was, you know, one to two years ago when these MakerBots and so forth were just coming out, there was just this explosion of media. And um, everyone hopped on the bandwagon. So, for example, there were bioengineering companies that were using machines to basically over time create cells. And it really wasn't 3D printing. But because everyone was talking about 3D printing, a journalist decided, hey, let's write this article about a 3D printed liver, which really just is not even a little bit accurate. But it got all this media attention. So now everyone's okay. saying, oh, I hear you can 3D print livers, you can 3D print hearts, you can 3D print organs, things like that. Um, you know, someone else would 3D print components and then glue them all together to basically make the shell of a car. Um, and then they would do a whole lot of other stuff to it, and maybe, maybe, maybe that car would move. Um, but that justified a journalist to say, 3D printed car, right? Uh, 3D printed house, you know? And so 
a couple of years ago, there was just this huge misunderstanding that, oh, yeah, we're 3D printing organs, we're 3D printing cars, we're 3D printing houses, all of these things that maybe you could sort of say were true, kind of, but are these huge exaggerations of reality. Um, so it is important to know that a 3D printer is generally working with, you know, one or two maybe materials at a time. Um, so you couldn't just 3D print a PlayStation or a cell phone. You know, circuit boards are made entirely different, you know, than the way that house, plastic housings are made, the, you know, different from just everything. Um, this manufacturing industry is vast, and one little machine cannot possibly encompass all of that. And a lot of people think that, that it can, that you can just sort of hit a button and, and there's anything that you want. No, you hit a button and there's any shape that you want out of the material and resolution that that machine is optimized for. Not to downplay it because that's huge, but it's not as huge as some people might think it is. Gotcha, okay. So do you think that's, uh, yeah, so what do you think is reality? What do you think is fantasy for now and the next few years in 3D printing? You know, yeah, uh, absolutely. Um, so... One thing that I think we will start to see happen, but not as quickly as people are predicting, is these prices of the machines will start to drop. Um, that's particularly going to happen when these patents expire and anyone can now make, for example, earlier I was talking about a heated build chamber. That's huge. It's super cheap to do, but Stratasys has a patent on it and no one else can do it. So as soon as some of these patents start to finally expire, which is coming sooner rather than later. Again, Stratasys was founded in 1989. Um, so uh, as these patents are expiring, the cost of the machines will come down. Um, what I think is a myth is this idea that the machines are just going to get faster and faster and faster. Um, so just as a hypothetical, if you were to print um, I don't know. Uh, I'm just looking around my office here, the keyboard for your computer, all these little keys and so forth. Um, if you were to print all those plastic components on one of my machines, I'm guessing it would take four or five hours, um, which in the world of product development is incredibly fast. But if someone needs right. a million of them, it's incredibly slow. Uh, so this gotcha. idea that you know, that we're going to be manufacturing with these things, you know, rather than going to the store, we're just going to 3D print everything we need, you know, no, um, because these, there's only so much speed that you can associate with something making one layer on top of the other, on top of the other, on top of the other. And, and, and it's curing, yeah. And it's exactly. Dry. And it has to cure, it has to fully form, and, and that can only go so fast. Um, so this idea that that it's somehow going to get hundreds of times faster, which is what it would need to do to be able to keep up with injection molding or your traditional means, is, is certainly, I don't want to say science fiction because people used to think 3D printing was science fiction, but it's, it's certainly far-fetched right. in the near future. Um, and uh, forgive me, I, I get so excited and I talk all over the place, I forgot the original question. Yeah, no, I just wanted to get an idea from you of, again, what's possible, what's not um Oh okay. right, that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. So, yeah, so, yeah. so um, for now, I guess I mean, the, yeah, that that would be all the questions I had for now. But my last question is: so, for people interested in 
you know, you being able to do the 3D printing fulfillment, you know, rapid prototyping, all these types of things. What's the best way for them to get in touch with you? And, um, yeah, you know, by phone, email, website, et cetera. What's your, your details? Yeah, absolutely. So our company, Incept3D, uh, Incept is short for inception. The idea mm-hmm. being that these machines bring bring products, you know, to inception. Uh, so in case you're wondering how to spell it, it's just short for inception, I-N-C-E-P-T, uh, then the number three and the letter D, dot com, incept3d.com. And then in the top right, it says submit files, and that's where you would send the 3D files. Those come in, we take a look at them, and within 10 to 15 minutes during business hours, uh, you'd get a reply from us. Um, there's also a phone number and an email. And, yeah, any of those methods would be would be the best way to, to get in touch with us. Well, that's great. I appreciate you taking the time to do the interview. And um, it's great to get this insider perspective. And um, you're well-spoken. You speak plainly. And I think people will get a lot out of listening to this. So thank you very much. Oh, yeah, I hope so. Um, thanks so much for having me. You've been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post to review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.